So how many of you ever had an angel appear to you? I tell you what, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? What do you want me to do, Lord? Send an angel. Tell me what to do. How many of you got your Bibles this morning? I'm going to ask for a raise of hands. It's all right. Get your Bible. That's better than I thought. That's pretty good. There's no slides today, folks. A little bit change up. I said we're trying something new today, so you need to be in your Bibles today. How many of you have smartphones today? Yeah, all of you sort of do. You can turn there in your scriptures as well. We're in Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8 of our AD series. We're actually only one week away from finishing up this 12-week series in the first 10 chapters of the book of Acts, following along with the AD series that's on NBC on Sunday nights. And that's a clip from tonight's show that we've not seen yet. And it's focused on this continual outpouring of God's Word and the movement of the New Testament church. And uh, we were in Acts 9 a week ago. We're going to take a step back. Look here at chapter 8 because we want to dial into the subject of um, this Philip guy. Philip, uh, as you know, if you've been journeying with us, was not one of the original apostles, but he was one of the deacons that was chosen to help with the needs of the people, just like Stephen was. And Stephen, of course, we know what happened to him. What happened to him? He was killed. He was stoned. All right. And when he was killed, it started the movement of the Christians away from Jerusalem to fulfill what Jesus told them to do in Acts 1. In Acts 1.8, it was, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, right? And so God has this plan going on, and it's going to happen whether or not, you know, uh, sometimes there's obedience to it. And so he comes and he picks and he chooses. And in chapter 8, we see this rolling out that we see is going to continue to happen. The Jerusalem Christians, the Jerusalem message has been heard. It's been then decentralized some uh, to the Hellenistic Jews or the people of Judah, people who were Jewish people who did not originally live in Israel, but were there for the day of Pentecost. And then we see that it goes to Samaria. That clip takes place with Philip in Samaria because he went there and started to share the news with the Samaritans. And the Samaritans were sort of outcast people. All right. Jewish people don't want to associate with them. God says, I'm going to love all people. My message is for all people. So he starts to reach the Samaritans. And now God's going to continue on reaching the uttermost part of the ends of the world. And so he's scattering them. So back in chapter 8, we have the verse in eight, chapter 1. It says, on the day of the persecution of Stephen in the church, right, uh, that broke out against the church, all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church going from house to house. He dragged off men and women and put them in prison. In the last two weeks, we had uh, discussed this whole issue of Paul and what happened. But then, verse 4, our attention turns back to Philip back to the city that was just portrayed. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. I think that's critical for us to understand. They preached the word wherever they went. That's why in that episode there, Peter's saying, okay, then you go that direction. I'm going to go to Joppa, and we're going to preach the word. All right? There was this assignment going on. You take it. You got it. I'm good here. You go there. And so they headed off, and that's exactly what Philip did. It says in verse 
5, Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Now, we are amiss in this whole series uh, called Life AD if we don't fully come to grips with the movement of God's word being preached. All right? There is truth that needs to get to people. There are indeed actions of kindness and goodness, but there is truth that needs to be known by those who are ignorant to what happened with Jesus' resurrection and how he defeated death and how he overcame the enemy and how through his sacrifice we have forgiveness of our sins and that we can enter into a relationship with him because of his work and that we can be a part of the kingdom that's coming. Not only the kingdom that will come someday visibly on this earth, but the kingdom that comes internally when we establish Jesus as the king of our life. The word, the gospel, the gospel of hope, and it doesn't matter at what place you've fallen in life, there's only one place you can stand straight and that's standing straight in a relationship with Jesus Christ. So good news, good news. The world is bad. Sin is bad. Life gets ugly. But there is hope. There is joy to be found in Jesus Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the one who was promised. He has now come. He died. He rose from the grave. We didn't understand that. But He is living eternally. He is coming back again. This gospel message needed to be spread. Words needed to be spoken. Yes, kind acts needed to be done. It's cool here that you know evil spirits came out of people. People who are paralytics were healed. Diseases. Wow, that's great. The works of Jesus continued on through his disciples and continue on through us today every time we help or encourage somebody. But words themselves are not, I mean, works themselves are not enough. The word, preaching the word, the truth, the hope has to go out. And guess what? God's not sending it directly from heaven over an internet line. He is using you and me to communicate the word. And there was this sense of urgency with this New Testament community that things needed to spread and go quickly. And today, 2,000 years later, we need to be opting in to that passion on a weekly basis, no matter what our agendas or responsibilities are during the course of the week. If we proclaim to be followers of Christ, if we want to be fully alive in Christ, then we have to be fully alive to his mission. And his mission was to get the word to the ends of the earth. Now, the next section here has to do with Simon the sorcerer. We're not going there, but Philip the Ethiopian. And the Ethiopian is the next section, and beginning with verse 26. If you have your scriptures, I want you to follow along with me. If you do not have your scriptures, I want you just to listen to this story and try to visualize it. It'll be a part of tonight's AD episode, actually. Visualizing Philip encountering the Ethiopian after he was instructed to leave and go south. Here we go. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Verse 27. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot. Go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip, he ran up to the chariot 
and he heard the man. And he heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Uh, do, do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said. Unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to be slaughtered. As a lamb before the shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch stopped and asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him, spoke to him, the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. All right, open classroom. This is the story. You just heard it read to you. Some of you know this story. You've heard it before. Maybe it's a story of interest. Maybe it's not been. What strikes you about this whole story we just read? Room's open. What strikes you about this story? That, the, that uh, the eunuch, the Ethiopian, was willing. He wasn't like, bug off, right? He says, come on up, right? There was some receptivity going on in his heart. What else strikes you about this story? Sure. He didn't happen to be reading about Jesus or Isaiah, about this person who was... Yeah, how, how strange is that in one sense? This prophetic word that is in the middle of Isaiah. It's probably the most prophetic word in the whole book of Isaiah. He happened to be reading right there in that chapter concerning then Christ. In fact, in the, in the greater reading of Isaiah, there, there was a song that anticipates the eunuch to do mm. the same thing. Mm. So that's, that's interesting, Greg. Thanks. Yeah, it's like, who's in control here? It's maybe not us as much as we think we are in control of life, but God's working. Good. Mike.
Hmm. It's a very evident kind of word spoken there. Good. The Gentiles are part of the promise. Is there someone over here? What else strikes you? Yeah, that's good. If you seek me, you will find me. That's a great promise. God has his ways and his means. Anything that will strike you about this story? Shay. Yeah. Again, just the divine operation that's at hand. Yeah. We see and live in a natural world, but there is a supernatural world being orchestrated and going on. <laughs> it was baptized. It was like immediate boom. You know, I'm a believer. Yeah, like, uh, let me pray about this. Let me think about it for a few weeks or whatever. Yeah. And one of the reasons we know that, I mean, I mean, here was this Ethiopian, and what was he doing all the way up in Jerusalem from the south? Well, evidently, he was seeking to worship somehow to understand what was going on in the world and, and, and the understanding of God. So there was a hunger. Anything else that strikes you? That if you seek me, you will find me. That God can orchestrate and move people to be able to speak your word. How many of you have heard great, tremendous stories about missionaries being sent to people who had a hunger? To be honest, like, no kidding. How'd that work out? Uh, duh. You know. Yeah. There was an immediate obedience on his part. Like what was portrayed in the AD clip, it wasn't like the angel of the Lord says, hey, go south. And he turns around to Pete and says, hey, let's go out to Starbucks. <laughs> I was like, gotta go. <laughs> go where? What are you talking about? You didn't see him. Go. You go that way. I'll go to Joppa. That's good. All right, here's another question in that story. Not only what strikes you, but what makes you scratch your head? What is hard to understand or try to figure out? Can you go there with it? What calls you? Olivia. It's, it's true. That's good. How does that come about? Of course, the story is always shortened in Scripture. It took him probably a while to walk there and wherever that Ethiopian was, but that's good. That's what we're asking. You know, how did that happen all so quick? Orchestrated by God, maybe. Questions. Makes you scratch your head. What do you look in this go, well, I don't quite understand what's being spoken here or what's alluded to? Shay. 
Yeah, that's a little bit. What exactly was, did he just like go poof, disappear? Was it, he just sort of walked away real fast? Okay, what does it mean? He was taken from him and the eunuch then said, where'd he go? Hmm. It gotten a ways away, yeah. Yeah. He was a confident person. Yep. Yep. That's a good question. How's the word spread? Of course, he at that time didn't understand, hadn't heard the good news yet of Jesus, but he was in Jerusalem seeking to understand the faith and from there. And God then was pushing people back out to these unknown regions to the worlds at large. Larry. Yeah. Now, there's, you're right. There's a distinction there. In the first part, it says an angel came to him in Samaria, go south, right? But then the spirit said, hey, that guy over there in that car that's parked, you know, want his smartphone? Go up there and talk to him. But how did the spirit actually speak? Was it a loud, audible voice? Or was there just a, hey, I think I, think I need to check it out. Yeah, it's good. Yes. For God, it doesn't. No. <laughs> we are the pots and the pans. Right. We are his vessels. Yep. Is it a question of why as a unit? Why him? Is it because he's in charge of the, all the king's matters? Yeah, that's a good point. It's just like Jesus picking uh, Paul, uh, Saul of Tarsus. You know, he was intentional about the people that he moved on the hearts of. Good. But that's a great question. Why him? That causes you then to dig into more understanding of the, the Ethiopian unit. <laughs> Other questions? Any? Going once, going twice. You have a question, Levi, or you're stretching your hands? Okay. What's your question? Philip went to, he wanted to go to Jerusalem, and God spoke to Philip. He wants to realize that he home. He wanted to. Did you get, why did he leave when he got to Jerusalem? Because, yeah, that's a good question. Because God's orchestrating and leading him to go forth into other places. Isn't this a little father-son moments here? <laughs> this is what I work with in my home. And it's a beautiful thing. Especially someone like Levi, uh, who um, we often in our early years with Levi was like, well, would he be able to know? Would he be able to understand to have a relationship with the Lord? There's a lot more going inside of his mind than we ever hoped. And I think, Levi, have you seen an angel before? Uh, I have seen my dad. <laughs> I believe him. I think he's an angel. It's one of the blessings of having a spiritual, I mean, having a um, mental handicap. What you just did you need to be doing all the time, every 
day of your life, if possible. What did we just do? You were looking at the Word. You were seeing what strikes you from the Word. And you were bombing the Word with some questions. I don't know that we would find too many people sitting in chariots today trying to figure out the book of Isaiah. Why? Because we're so easily distracted. Too many other and more important things to do. But we, whether we are people who have walked with God or people who don't know God and wonder about God, we need to take time intentionally to be looking into the book. But it's not ultimately the book that gives us the answer because it is God using people to speak into people's lives. Truth, taking the gospel message, then taking the word and pointing it to Jesus. And Jesus is the one who's changing lives. There's this dynamic process going on. And I can tell you what, the adversary, Satan himself, he wants to squelch it all. He wants to push it down. He wants you not to be concerned about being a proclaimer of truth. He wants you not to be going to God's word and bombing it with questions or trying to see what strikes you out. Stay away from this book. This is not a good book in his mind. Because this book will lead you to deeper faith. And oh my goodness, we don't want the word continuing to get out. And so definitely um, don't have an environment on a Sunday morning. Just let them come and be uh, spectators, you know, good spectators. Clock in, clock out, did the deed for Sunday. Definitely let's not open up the room to start interacting and trying to think on one another and encourage one another, exhort one another. But friends, this is what the New Testament was. When they gathered, they didn't say, okay, what's the program and the show for today? That was good. See you all later next week. When they gathered, they gathered around the apostles' teaching and the sharing of the faith and the dynamic of what was happening. And they encouraged and exhorted one another. They broke bread together, remembering Christ's death and and drank the cup, remembering his shed blood. There was a, a, a dynamic happening amongst the community. And then there was the sending out process. And some of the sending out, they ended up being persecuted. Some of them ended up losing their very lives. But do not, do not think that God cannot take even us as a church community, whether locally or globally abroad, and ignite us to be a church that's fully alive in the faith, to disperse in this generation and time the good news that changes and transforms lives. I want to look at just a few things from this scripture because you've pretty much taken up my most of my time so i'm done that's great and most of what was spoken were things i wanted to touch on real quick from this word anyway all right the first aspect is this um sense of salvation is being a sovereign work of the almighty god I think one of the fears that we have in sharing God's word is that it's up to us to make it happen. Friends, it's not up to us to make it happen. You've heard me say it before. I'll say it again. None of us in this room, myself included, have any ministry. There's only one ministry. It's the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ that continues on through the presence of his spirit enacted through his people. It's his ministry. It's his work. It's God's hand. And if God chooses to pick a Philip to first send him into Samaria, then so be it, Philip goes. 
If God then chooses to send an angel to speak to him, head south. I got a guy for you to connect with there that's going to take the gospel to the ends of the earth or down into Africa, then so be it. But initially, we have to understand that God is the one who initiates the work of salvation. That should be a big relief to all of us. So do not ever find yourself in this whole area of evangelism or being able to share your faith as getting yourself all tied up in knots thinking, oh, it's up to me or my friend. If I don't talk to my friend or someone else doesn't get it. No, friends, pray. Ask God to continue to work to prevail. Yes, there's an evil one that seeks to keep people away from truth, but it is God Almighty who is at work. And we see that from this initial uh, part of the story where he comes to him and he speaks to him the directions where he is to go. The sovereign work of an almighty God is at hand. Let me encourage you this way. I mean, we could have taken the whole day and, and gone off on this angel thing and God speaking. God does have a plan. He does have a way for each one of our lives. He can get that communicated to us. Sometimes it takes a lot longer than we realize because he's wanting us to build some other character qualities in our life. But God has plans and directions for our life. Seek him out. You don't need to live this haphazard, oh my gosh, now what do I do with my life? He knows. He can lead. All right? He is at work, and his work will prevail. The second is there's the submissive will of a transformed servant. I I am taken back by Philip's obedience. And I think it was sort of portrayed there pretty nice. Peter, what are you doing here hanging around? I was getting ready to head Jerusalem. Did you hear that? I'm I'm going. I'm there. Done. Boom. There wasn't any hem hong waiting until I have all my ducks lined up in a row, waiting until the financial coffers are a little bit stronger. Obedience, when the Lord speaks and impresses you to do something, be quick to obey. And Philip though he wasn't one of the original apostles. more I'm looking in and what's happening here, just like with Stephen, woo, they're right up there. Great men of God, and I look forward to meeting them someday on the other side and say, man, talk to me about you know, those stories that are portrayed of Scripture and the ones that aren't portrayed in Scripture. He was quick to obey, all right? But he was a servant. He was a servant not of his agenda, but he was a servant of whose agenda? The agenda of... God himself. He had surrendered. He had surrendered. That's part of our quandary in life, isn't it? We don't want to surrender. We have our agenda. We have our direction. We have our careers. We don't want to surrender. But I promise you this. If you surrender to the will of God for your life, he will not disappoint you. He will not. But a lot of times, we've said it before, he's not going to give you that clear will until you Give the clear surrender. When you surrender, then his word starts to come to you. Philip was one of those humble servants that was yielded, and he immediately obeyed. The next is the searching wonder of a hungry seeker. This eunuch was an interesting guy, this Ethiopian eunuch. Now, let me describe a few things about this Ethiopian. One, uh, he may or may not have been from Ethiopia. Ethiopia is south of Egypt, all right? It's uh, deeper down, a country down from Egypt in Africa, North Africa. Ethiopians at that time were seen in the larger part of North Africa. So if you're part of the Ethiopians, you're part of North Africa. Now, God in his intentionalness to get the gospel to the ends of the earth decides what? 
I'm going to send this person over in Asia. I'm going to send this person up around Europe. I'm going to send this person down into Africa. Here's God's plan to get the word going down in the direction of Africa. All right? So Ethiopians, he was from the North African area, and we believe him to be black, all right, because Ethiopians are of that race. But we don't know for sure, for sure on that. All right? He was in the court of uh, Candace the Queen. Now, that is a title, like Pharaoh's a title. It wasn't the actual name. And she wouldn't have been the ruler of the country because uh, the, the king of Ethiopia would have been the real, and, and he was sort of like venerated. He was so grand and great, godlike, that he didn't have to do anything. So his mother queen would have taken on the responsibility of leading, and she was leading the country, and this was her CFO, her chief financial officer, who's over the treasury. So this Ethiopian was not only somebody God chose in a geographical way to get the gospel to this group of people, it was also someone he chose in a high-ranking government or royal class to be able to reach people. All right? And then the whole idea that he's a eunuch. All right? That means his private parts had been castrated. And being a eunuch was... A uh, common kind of thing, really, in that sense, and they did it for different reasons. We don't have time to go down that path. You sort of cringe from the whole concept and idea of it, right? But a eunuch was usually put in charge of the harem, all right? And, and sometimes eunuchs were put in charge of places because, you know, once they did that to them uh, of a physical nature, they weren't going to have family, so they didn't have to worry about the eunuch's uh, uh, ancestors rising up to overthrow them, all right? So the eunuch... Though it's like, well, that's weird today. Hey, I'm a eunuch, you know. It's like, but it was sort of known that way. And but they were used in these important kinds of places. I find it interesting, you know. I was uh, sort of thinking about it with all that we find going on in the world today. And um, how can I say this without getting myself in trouble? There is a lot of heated discussion today related to issues such as um, sexual choices such as gender identity or confusion, whatever it may be. I want us to understand this as believers. God is no preference to any kind of sinner. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, for all, beginning with me. And there are reasons why God, I think, can take something as hot as the sexual preference issues, the gender identity, all this confusion that's going on in our culture, people throwing mud at one another, and he can take it and show himself strong in being able to change all kinds of people's lives. And we, though there is a moral basis to be able to have certain positions that we carry, whether it comes with the sexual preference, gender identity issues, all that kind of thing, we should foremost lead with the compassion and the spirit of love like God did even for this individual. And let me explain this to you. The eunuch was in Jerusalem. He was seeking to worship the Jewish God. Friends, how were male people known to be a part of the Jewish followers of Yahweh God Almighty? Circumcision. You can't 
be a part of the circumcision group if there's nothing to circumcise. Just to put it that bluntly. So he was in this awkward class of not even being able to become one who would worship the Jewish God. God came to him through Philip and he says, I choose you. I have created people male and female, but foremostly I have created them as human beings. And everyone is a human being who has worth and we should love them in the manner that Christ loves them. I don't have a lot of the answers of how we navigate it. I wish it wasn't a part of my generation. Like, couldn't some other generation have to navigate through this whole sexual preference and gender identity issue? But it is our generation and how we as believers speak and love one another, even to those who are not seen as part of what would be morally right. I won't get off on that, but God's He's working on my heart in this song. Because I have a hard time with people pushing their agendas in our culture. I really do. But I have to say, God, you have chosen to love all people. May I love all people. And here in this story, and that was the reason I paused to spend time on it, God chose Philip, spoke to Philip through an angel on a specific mission to reach a eunuch. Because the eunuch wasn't identified by sexuality. The eunuch was identified because of his humanity. He was a human being who desired God. And God wanted to give him salvation. We move on from there. This was a work that was initiated by God. There was a willing heart of a transformed servant. There was the searching of a seeker who was hungry to know God. Then there was the scripture that was used to ignite transformation. I already exhorted you on this front about us being in the Word, questioning we're bombarding, let the Word speak to us. As we are sent on mission by God, we need to be dialed in as to how to take the Word of God and point it to Christ. Do you remember when we had our 3D series? 3D series, you got that? Just walk across the room. We said to walk across the room to participate with God. Remember we had... Circle of comfort, zone of the unknown, right? What was the 3D living about? This is going to be one of those discouraging things for me. Open it up. (laughs) 3D living. A number of months ago, what were the 3Ds? Anybody? Number one was, this is how we walked across the room, to reach out. Philip walked across the desert to reach out to the Ethiopian, number one is develop friendships. So your eyes aren't even lighting up. It's like, oh, okay. Develop friendships. Here was this encounter with Philip and the Ethiopian. 
And there was some type of friendship initially engaged there, though he was a stranger, right? We can't walk across the room. We can't walk across the desert. We can't take the gospel to the unknown regions of the earth unless we develop friendships. Through the trust of a friendship, we can portray or dialogue the trust of truth. So develop friendships. We see that sort of happening in this aspect. Then we see, second, discover stories. Any more light bulbs? All right, discover stories was the second. I thought about just, I could preach that whole message over again, I guess. So develop friendships, discover stories. And the stories, we talked about the three-tier stories, right? The story was your story, finding out the other person's story, I mean, their story. Your story, this is the story of what happened to me in my life concerning God. And then ultimately, you're moving to the third story level. And what's the third story level? It's not only uh, your story and my story, but ultimately, you're moving to his story, now, we won't take the time here, but Isaiah 53, dive into it, bomb it. You know, look at that. My goodness, they're thinking, you know, this is Isaiah, soul-searching God. What's wrong with my nation? How is it going to do? And God brings to him this vision, this understanding of a servant who would come, servant that would die, and those kinds of things. Here's this prophetic word. And Philip walks up to the chariot. He says, what are you reading? He reads out of Isaiah 53. He says, I don't have a clue what's going on here. And Philip then takes the word, the scripture at work, and lighting the life of Christ, and he says, let me explain this to you. And he takes the scripture and he points to the third level, the third story, the story of Jesus. All right? So you see God at work in this evangelistic effort, taking on a willing servant, identifying with someone who has a hungry, seeking heart, using the word to enlighten them, and then taking that word to move them to the story of Jesus. And we have to do that in our communication of truth. Don't be vague. Oh, yeah, God can help you out. No, let me tell you the story of Jesus. All right? So we work at telling the story of Jesus as we seek to be a part of this extending movement of the gospel to the regions across the world, into our communities, whatever it is. And then the final thing, the last thing here, is just the understanding that through this, it's the saving grace of Jesus himself that ministers to this Ethiopian eunuch. If you'll look, there's not a verse 37 in some of your Bibles. That's because 37 was added later on, and so most Bibles don't leave it there now because it was not a part of original manuscript. But it says, you know, uh, in this verse 37, if some of you have it, that uh, the individual... Um, proclaim that Jesus Christ, like, how, how, do I, how do I get this? And Philip said, believe with all of your heart. Jesus, he says, I do believe Jesus is the Son of God. Now, that verse isn't in there, but it's implied. That's the reason somebody put it in there. It's implied because once it was spoken of about Jesus to this Ethiopian, he's like, hey, you know, they're, they're, they're traveling now. And they're in chariot together. Hey, there's some water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? Why can't I be a believer in Christ? And it wasn't that the baptism, again, was saving the person. It was a saving faith had started in him. And he knew that baptism, as told by Philip, repent and be baptized, was a part of identifying as a new follower of Jesus. And so they parked the chariot. They went down the water. Ethiopian was baptized. He came up out of the water. And however it happened, Philip was gone. But the Ethiopian continued heading south, rejoicing. And guess what happened where he went? Well, we can pretty well guess. He told his story, and he pointed to Jesus' story, and more lives were being saved. More people were being baptized. 
And so the story goes on because God will get his kingdom message out through his people. His work is at hand. The question then is, do we participate in ourselves or do we just let others in on this great, exciting thing of seeing God's work go forth? I pray that we as a church become fully alive in Christ and to his mission every week. It never goes redundant with me to say that, that we get to do this. We get to participate in transferring the gospel message to those who need it.